Uh, well, welcome. If it is your first time here, uh, welcome to Grace Orlando. My name is Matt. I get the privilege of being able to share with you and talk about God today. And uh, if you're watching with us online, thanks for joining us. And we're so glad that you're there. Uh, let us know where you're watching from. And we are going to jump right into this. Uh, I don't have any tools. Are you guys disappointed about that? Some people were kind of getting tired. I was running out. I was running out. Some of you guys were talking smack about my tools and said they weren't very used. I get it. I only get to use them three times a year. Forgive me, okay? If I could use them a few more times a year, I would. I clean them after. I'm going to start throwing mud on it so it looks like I do stuff. But... Anyways, um, we have been, if you haven't been here, uh, we have been in the middle of a series called Growing Gracefully. It's been a fun topic. Um, I've kind of enjoyed each speaker. If you guys have, I know I have. Um, and then this is the last uh, message today of the series, just to let you know where we're at and the whole uh, gamut. But um, we here at Grace Orlando, our goal is to help each one to grow and to mature. That's one of our uh, top goals. We want to see you grow. We want to see you grow gracefully. And I kind of asked the question, you know, what does that look like a few weeks ago? And I'm going to try and cap it at the end today with what I believe it looks like, at least in my own life, um, for us. I've got, if you notice, I kind of am making it a little more casual, I'm trying to relax. So just picture we're sitting and we're having some coffee, and I'm going to run through with you different things that have changed in my life um, as much as they, they possibly change in your life as well. So just picture that in your head. Um, so the question is, what does that look like? If you remember, I opened up with the story last week about Peter. Do you guys remember that? I kind of talked about Peter and Jesus, and Jesus was teaching the crowd. And he got a little crowded, and so he backed up and got onto the boats and began to teach from the boats. And then he got tired of teaching and said, let's go fishing. And Peter said, okay, well, I already went fishing. Let's not go. Jesus said, let's go. Peter said, okay. And they loaded up in the boats. They went out there, and they caught, as we all know, 153 fish. And it was to the point where nets were breaking, boats were sinking, all sorts of chaos was happening. And we kind of picked up in verse 8. I'm going to pick up there again. It's Luke, chap uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 8. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, when Simon Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, go away from me, master. I am a sinful man. Simon Peter and the other fishermen, including his fishing partners, Jacob and John and the sons of Zebedee, were awestruck over the miracle catch of fish. Jesus answered with something interesting. He said, do not yield to fear. He said, do not yield to fear, Simon Peter. It's an interesting response if you really think about it. Here he is telling him that he's a sinful man. And he said, don't yield to fear. Sometimes, sometimes, not always, but sometimes I learn something in what Jesus didn't say. I don't know if you're that way. I try to think about what didn't Jesus say in this moment when Peter was trying to tell him, I'm a sinful man. Three things that Jesus didn't say. I don't have this on the thing, so this is just something I came up with. But 
three things Jesus didn't say. One day, you'll grow up spiritually and not sin anymore. Jesus didn't say, one day, you'll grow up and you'll, you'll be spiritual and you won't sin anymore. He didn't say, now that you know you're sinful, stop being sinful. He didn't say, now that you know you're sinful, Peter, stop being sinful. And the last thing he didn't say is, once you try to be like me, you'll stop sinning so much. He didn't say, once you try to be like me, you'll stop sinning so much. He said, don't yield to fear. Unfortunately, I don't know if you were this way, but when I was a young person, I was afraid of a lot of things. Um, I'm dealing with this in my own house right now. I think one of my little girls saw something scary at somebody else's house, and so she will not sleep in her own bed. She goes into the other bed, right, where my other daughter is. And then my other daughter has figured out, well, the nights that she doesn't come, she's going to go to her bed. And so I spend a lot of nights and mornings trying to get them into their own bed uh, because they're afraid. Uh, Paul said, he said, when I was a child, I behaved as a child, but when I became an adult, I put away childish things. In my own life, maturing has been moving from fear to a lack thereof. I don't know about you guys, but in, in my life, maturing, to be mature, to grow up, a lot of the growing up for me has been moving from a place of fear to a lack thereof. For me, one of the ways that I grow or I measure growth in my own life is I look at things that I was possibly afraid of at one point. I look at things that I was scared of in my own Christian life and that I'm not afraid of anymore. For years, Ruthie's asked me just in regular, what are you afraid of, right? As, I don't know if your wife ever asked you that or your husband asked you that. Like, what are you afraid of? And for some reason, I always struggled coming up with things that I was afraid of. I will say that there have been plenty of things that I have said that I hate, okay? And I got to thinking about that. I'm like, you know, sometimes the things that we hate, we're actually afraid of. And I'll explain it to you. I hate sharks. Does anybody else hate sharks in here? And I got to think, it's because I'm afraid of sharks. I actually think sharks are kind of cool, but I like them to see them when I'm in the boat and not in the water, okay? Alligators. I hate alligators. Anybody else hate alligators in here? Am I the only one? I don't think so. I think most people don't like alligators. I don't like crocodiles. To find out that there's crocodiles in Florida is a little freaky to me, okay? I hate snakes, specifically poisonous snakes, okay? I hate them. You know why? Because I'm afraid of them. I don't want to get bit. Piranhas, same thing. Uh, spiders, I don't really like spiders on me, okay? I can see a spider and be like, I hate that spider over there. I really hate a spider on me. It just changes the whole thing. I'm not vibing with spiders. I hate crowds. I know you'd be shocked. I hate public speaking. This is not my jam, even though I'm up here, right? It's not where I'm comfortable at. I'm glad to be here. Um, but if we're honest, we hate that which we fear, if we are honest with ourselves, we hate that which we fear. William Shakespeare once wrote, in time, we hate that which we often fear. Gandhi said, the enemy is fear. We think it is hate, but it is really fear. Someone else famous said, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger, 
anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. The famous Master Yoda. 1 John 4.18, it says, Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Today, again, I told you, I want to go through a list of things that I was afraid of that I'm no longer afraid of. So can you guys hang in there with me? We're going to go through a list, okay? The first thing that I'm not afraid of, that I used to be afraid of, that I used to be afraid to not talk about good and bad and right and wrong. I want to encourage you guys all today. I don't, can you guys, are you, is everybody listening? I don't encourage anyone to do wrong things. Isn't that good of me? I don't encourage anyone to do wrong things. I don't encourage people to do bad things either. Grace doesn't encourage people to do bad. Did you know that? Grace does not encourage people to do bad. Does grace abound so that sin can abound? God forbid. No one is bidding anyone to sin. No one. Everybody go like this. Some of you didn't do it. We're going to do it again. Ready? Growth happens when we stop obsessing about sin. Growth happens when we, as believers, the greater church, stops obsessing about sin. 1 Corinthians 5.1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not found even among pagans, for a man is living with his father's wife. Question. Don't you think he knew doing this was bad? Do you think that he knew that? Everyone knew this was a bad idea, including the man. Awkward. Matt, and you'll hear this. I've heard this for years. Matt, we still have a job to do. We have to tell people to stop doing bad and to do good. Right? My question is, what's your bad and what's your good? To each person, if we were to go through a whole list, I guarantee every single person would have a good and a bad. Right? I'm going to ask a question. I want us to answer this question. Okay? Let's be super honest. Are we okay? Are we ready to be honest? How many of you have ever done something bad in here? Ready? We're all in good company. How many of you have ever done something good in here? Ready? There we go. Good job. Now, I got a question. Did you know to not do bad? Did you know to do good? Did you know, I'm going to bother my English people in here. Did you know that doing good was gooder than bad? Did you know that bad was badder than good? Most of the time, 
in church, you hear, do this and don't do that. And guess what? People still do those things. They still do it all across the country. I talk to pastor friends and churches, and I see churches all over the place, and they're in these conversations of telling people to do good and telling people to do bad. Can I tell you, they even do good and do bad. Even the pastors that are telling the people to not do bad, they do bad sometimes, right? 99% of the time, Paul is telling people that God loves them. 99% of the time, we, we need to be reminded that God loves us. Will there be consequences to your actions on earth? Sure. But does telling people there will be consequences make them want to not do the thing that they didn't want to do already? It doesn't change a thing. It really doesn't. I didn't go, I don't know about you, but I didn't go to church I didn't go to church because people told me to do good and do bad. I went to church because I felt God's love there. I felt when people would show me how much God loved me, despite all of the things that I already knew that I wasn't doing. Okay? I went to church because I felt loved and accepted by God. And that never needs to change because now we got them. Now they know God. Now we got to tell them all the things they're doing bad so that they'll do good. They already know all those things. You guys hanging in there? We're still having coffee, okay, if you can picture it. I'm not afraid to not change myself into the image of Christ, right? It's an interesting topic. But I'm not afraid to change myself into the image of Christ, to not change myself into the image of Christ. And this might seem like, why are you saying that? Why is that that big of a deal? Look, to me, to not change myself into the image of Christ was a horrible burden to carry. And I still hear people saying, you got to change to be like him, to be perfect. we got to be like Jesus. we got to do all these things. That is a horrible burden for any of us to carry. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, So whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come. New things have come. You don't need to change what God has already changed. You don't need to change those things. God has already done the change. Now, are our hearts bent towards doing good? Sure. But I've met plenty of Christians that do bad, and I've met plenty of Christians that do good. So who we are isn't based on doing good or doing bad. Don't change what God has already changed. 1 John 4, 17, it says, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, which also means decision, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we. If we are in him, if we know him, we are as he is. We don't need to change things. God loves you the way you are. He loves who you are. He loves who he made you. And the more you focus on that, the more you can live your life and not be afraid. Not be afraid of who he is. Not be afraid you're not doing enough. Another thing I'm not afraid of is I'm not afraid of losing my salvation. 
You might think this is a topic that's gone away. It's really not. Um, what's the stuff that they, we used to call it something else in the 90s? They call it slime now, but was it called like goop or, I don't know, they change the name every 10 years. But you guys know what slime is? Everybody knows what slime is, right? And it kind of goes through your fingers. People talk about salvation like it's slime and like they're just trying to catch it and make sure that you keep that salvation, Right? I was taught in most churches at the beginning of, like, you, you go to a new believers class. I was taught that there is a high possibility that you can lose your salvation. Why is that a big deal? The church has put salvation on the believer. Yet Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't act like Jesus treats you like an Airbnb, right? Well, I've kind of had, you know, enough time. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'll see you next time I come when you've behaved enough and acted the right way, and then, I'll, you know, I'll make my home in you then. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing shall separate us. You know what nothing means in the Greek? Nothing. If God is love and nothing shall separate us from the love, then nothing shall separate you from God. Nothing means nothing. You couldn't earn salvation and you can't unearn salvation. Again, I know it's not good English. You can't unearn salvation. You can't lose it. It's not slipping through your fingers. Salvation came to your house and lives in you. And you received it. And it's, Jesus has no interest in going anywhere else. He likes to live with you. Uh, this is another thing I'm not afraid of. I'm not afraid of devils and demons. And that might be a funny thing to say, right? But I'll hear, um, you got to be careful about opening yourself up. I'll hear that terminology. I grew up hearing that terminology, Okay. You got to be afraid of the devil getting a foothold. Anybody ever heard of a foothold? We don't even know what a foothold means, but you got to be careful of a devil getting a foothold. It means something. Um, tell a quick story. Uh, we did trunk or treat recently. Do you guys remember doing that recently? We did a trunk or treat thing, and um, I've told the staff this, so I'm going to tell you all, but... Uh, I had an interaction uh, with somebody that I know just outside of the church. I was walking out, and I, I see this person every now and then, and uh, I'm, I'm cordial with this person since I know who he is. I know he kind of leans kind of on the, the strict religious, and I'm usually I'm getting a talk about not being religious enough and all this stuff. And uh, I remember walking around the corner, and instead of saying, like, usually when you see somebody and you wave to them and you say, hi, usually you kind of hope that they just say hi back, right? Like, hey, how's it going? Hi. Uh, instead, I get asked the question, um, so Matt, why do you feel as though uh, the church can participate in a trunk or treat and celebrate the Devil's Day, Right? And if you guys know me, the inside of me was just like, please just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm trying to go to my car. I don't want to talk about this. And uh, I was like, just let me go and just say hi like normal people do. It's hi. <laughs> and uh, he's like, and, it, and by the way, our trunk or treat was not on what people would call the devil's day. Um, 
two weeks before, but, you know, numbers don't matter, I guess. But anyways, uh, he said, I just don't understand how you can celebrate that and then open yourselves up to demons, okay? And I'm just like, okay. So I tried to do the Christian thing and say, look, we are just um, giving out candy uh, as an alternative to Halloween, okay, which is what everybody's afraid of. And um, he said, he pointed to, I know this is too much detail, but he pointed to an envelope that was outside. It was a Grace Church envelope next to a rat trap. And he said, do you see that? That's witchcraft right there. You have a curse on the church. And I was like, oh, cool. Thanks for telling me. (laughs) And, you know, I'm, again, I'm just like, please just don't do this. I don't want to engage in this conversation. But when he said that, I said, well, I said, I have a question for you, which if anybody's ever coming after you, this is how you do. You ask him a question. And I said, I said, do you believe that we're sealed until the day of redemption, which most Christians can agree with that. Most of them can say yes. I said, do you believe that we are because I believe in Jesus? And he said, yes. I said, then how, when we're giving candy out to kids, are devils entering into us? Explain that to me. And you want to know what he said? I don't know. And I said, you should lean into that. (laughs) Lean into that thinking. I don't know. You're right. Colossians 1.13, I'll move on. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of of his son that he loves. The passage translation, it says, he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of the realm of his beloved son. What are we talking about? Completely rescued us. We don't have to be afraid of demons and darkness and devils and all that stuff. If you notice in the New Testament, after Jesus, it kind of started, they stopped talking about it so much. Why? Because people weren't stressed out. Jesus defeated the enemy on Calvary. Come on, where are we at? Another thing I'm not afraid of is unconfessed sin. Not afraid of unconfessed sin. Colossians 1.14, it says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, not going to have, not trying to have, not hoping to have, but we have the forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future. Colossians 1.14, it says, For in the Son all our sins are canceled, and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. When you believe that you have unconfessed sin, you're not making a big deal about the blood that washed us and canceled all our sins. I'm not worried anymore. I'm not afraid. I've matured. Amen? I'm not afraid of people's words. I don't know about you. I used to be at the word police. Do you guys know what the word police is? Has anybody ever been a word police in here? I was a word police. Like, if you said anything contrary to the word of God, I was going to correct you. Um, actually, out in uh, Arizona, when we did youth group for a little while, I, um, I remember I met with one of my old leaders, and I said, hey, I said, so, like, if you were to say as a, and I don't know why I set myself up. I was like, what, if you were to say, like, as a whole, what you remember about us and being the youth pastors out there, what, do you, what would you say about Ruthie and I? 
And he's like, you know what I would say? He said, I would say, uh, you would be known for your standards. And I was like, oh, gosh. It was kind of painful. Why? Because I had a movie standard. I mean, I had a music standard. Like, if I was in public, if I was working at a public place and they were playing non-Christian music, I would go to the manager and say, That's, that was me. That was me. I couldn't even be in the car with people, and if they were playing oldies goldies, right? We've got to turn it to Christian music so I can feel. I'm not afraid of people's words anymore. I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm settled in that. I'm not afraid of being influenced. This kind of ties in with the last thing. I'm not afraid of being influenced, right? I had experienced grace when we lived out in Arizona. I had experienced it. Kind of walked away from ministry and all that for a minute, thinking about things, and I realized how judgmental I still was. I believe that you can experience grace. You can experience Jesus. You can have an understanding of it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you function in it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are able to ex- extend grace. Why? Well, how do I know that? Because we got to the place where we couldn't even hang out with other Christians because they didn't have the standards that we had. I was afraid of being influenced by them. And it isolates you. When you're afraid, when you're afraid of being influenced by other people, it isolates you. Jesus was hanging out with sinners, right? He was confusing people. I'm not afraid of other people's opinions. In other words, like, I know that we are a small fish in a big pond, right? Does everybody know that? Most of the time. I mean, what's neat about it is the longer I've been talking about these things, I hear other voices, thankfully, saying some of the same things. And what's happening is, is I believe a lot of these churches are running into walls because they're realizing that telling everybody to do good all the time doesn't always work because then what people end up doing is hiding it. Start hiding things. You might say there's not too many people that say all the things that your church says. I'm not worried about that, right? That's on them. That's on us. I also think that we don't have it all figured out. (laughs) I don't think we have it all figured out. I think we're still growing. We're still learning. We're still moving. We're still maturing. But I will tell you that since I've been here, I've seen change in people's lives, And it doesn't mean the change that we used to always see where it was all external. I've seen freedom. I've seen tears. When you talk about God, I actually enjoy talking about God now. Instead of putting it on and just talking about God because everybody else talks about God, I actually enjoy talking about God. I was a part of the group for too long that heaped condemnation on people. Now I want to be a part of the group that takes it off. I'm not afraid of the future of my kids. (laughs) And you might think this is a real funny one to talk about. For me, I'm not afraid. I used to be afraid. In fact, before we ever had kids, I was told not to have kids. Don't have kids. Don't bring them into this horrible, dark, evil world. Right? And I'm not saying it's not difficult to navigate and to try and figure out how to raise kids right now. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying I'm not stressed out about it. I'm not stressed out that they don't think exactly how I think. Do any of us think the same way our parents do? No, thank God. We've learned some things. We have learned some things. I'm not afraid of other people that think differently of or think differently than I do. Um, a few years ago, I went out to breakfast with... Um, 
somebody that went here and uh, went out to breakfast. And it's always fun when you take people out to breakfast so they can tell you um, how to run the church and how to do things, even though they're not really involved, but they go to church, right? Like, let me tell you all the things that you're... And what he said was, I went to another church out in California, and he's like, and I found out that is actually how you're supposed to be running the church. And he said, here's what they do. They all wear three-piece suits, right? They all have a King James Version Bible in their right hand as they're walking in. Their women walk behind them. Their kids walk behind them. They go in. They say amen to the preacher the whole time. He said, they all think the same, talk the same, vote the same, do all of those things. I said, it kind of sounds like a cult. (laughs) You know I said that to him. I said, we're not going that direction. <laughs> I'm not afraid of those things. I'm not, I'm not afraid of people having other thoughts than I do, politically even. I'm not stressed out about those things, right? How many of you guys know it's going to get a little crazy next year politically? Does anybody kind of feel that? I'm not a prophet. Just got a feeling. This is not a word from the Lord right now, okay? Just sensing it. But I say that because I was polarized for a little while, right, where I'm just like, whoever's going to be in office is going to save my life forever. They're, it's so funny, too, like the people that think this one person is going to save their life, right, and they're like, oh, that other person is the devil, they're the antichrist, and then that person gets voted in, and they're like, no, I'm sorry, that person's antichrist, this person was, it's like, well, which one is it? I think we got a little lost here, I don't really know, Right? And I say that because I've actually allowed people that think differently than me to be in my life. And actually, I encourage it. It doesn't mean that it changes the way I think. It doesn't mean that I'm going to change how I do things. Or, but I've, I've wrestled with it. I've listened to what other people say. And I've learned some things. I've learned that everything that I think isn't perfect and isn't right. And all the things that you think. Right? I'm going to move on so we don't, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm not afraid of sin in the church. I'm not afraid of sin in the church. This is an f- interesting one. Uh, Romans 4, 8, it says, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. It's interesting he doesn't take it into account, yet we're afraid of sin to get into the church. How does that work? I don't know. Maybe you need to think about that. Um, I'm going to... Put out there again, I read last week, uh, Escape to Reality. I want to promote it again so that it gets in your mind. EscapeToReality.com, I believe. Paul Ellis, if you need to look it up. Um, but they make great posts. He, make, he has a great blog on there. I took this from his blog. But it says, the insecure talk as though there were different classes of sin. There is willful sin, which you need to avoid. There is unintentional sin, which doesn't really count. If you sin on purpose, you're out. But if you sin by accident, God will turn a blind eye. This would be laughable if it weren't so widely believed. Sin is sin, and no sin is excusable. The good news is not that God will only hang you for the biggies, but that Jesus dealt with them all. Little sins, big sins, it sounds like Dr. Seuss a little bit, right? They were all done away with at the cross. Am I saying sin doesn't matter? No, sin is destructive. Sin is stupid. I am saying that the insecure tend to focus on themselves and their sin. Since God keeps no record of your sins, 
Neither should you. Last thing, I still got a little, I got a couple minutes left. Um, Last thing I'm not afraid of is I'm not afraid of not doing enough. (laughs) Now, I spent a lot of years thinking this, that I wasn't doing enough, that I wasn't preaching enough, that I wasn't telling enough people about Jesus, that I wasn't transforming myself into the image, wasn't reading, praying, all those things. And uh, I don't know if you guys know who uh, um, Sandra McCollum is. She's Joyce Meyer's daughter. And uh, Kyle, I don't know if he's here today, but he introduced us to her a few months ago. She's got grace. She talks about it all the time. She talks to Joyce about it all the time. Um, But she made a post the other day that I thought it was really good um, in this conversation. It says, advice I gave people before grace. Never give up. Keep trying harder. And someday you'll get there. Advice I give now By all means, give up. Give up on all your self-effort and self-reliance and definitely do not try harder. Instead, let Jesus serve you with his life and his life instantly resurrects your life. Now, you guys remember I had the, the, um, the tools. There was one tool I forgot last week. I didn't really forget it. I kind of planned it, but I'm saying I forgot it, okay? Anybody know what this is? What's it look like? Blueprints, right? That's Grace Church. Yep, if I open it up, you'll know. All the blueprints for Grace Church. You're like, why does Matt have those? He's not responsible enough. I don't know. I just found them. So, uh, No, but this is a blueprint for all of the the building and over there and all that. Um, But I I brought these out because I feel like sometimes when you talk about growth or you talk about, I sat down, had a conversation with you about how I've matured. What's cool about this is if if I were to take these blueprints and try to build a building somewhere, right, like for my house, I'm like, oh, I'm going to build my house over here in Longwood and took it to a contractor. It would seem weird because it doesn't fit what what my life is like and what needs to happen here, okay? And so I say that in the sense that sometimes for growth, maybe God's talking to me about the different things and he's not talking to you about that, and that's okay. I don't know what growth looks like for you in your life, but I do know what it looks like for me in my life. I do know that I had a lot of things that needed to change, that I needed to not be afraid of. Maybe you're already there, but maybe there's other things that you're still afraid of that you need to kind of wrestle with, and I invite you to to figure it out, to, to wrestle with those things with me. And what I mean by wrestle is to not fear anymore. Um, over in Tampa, they have this, I don't even know where it is. It's like some kind of arcade that's over there. Um, but they have this thing called the big swing. Have you guys ever been on the big swing where it pulls you way back? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And then it drops you, right? Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, just to encourage you to go do it. Maybe after service. So you have one in Old Town. But uh, anyways, uh, I didn't think it looked that terrifying. And then they start to pull you way back. And you're like, this is awful right? You know, the guys that are running it seem like, you know, how much, you start questioning, how much are they getting paid by the hour? And is this really tight? And I'm a little nervous. And they also tell you on the way up that you're responsible for releasing this thing, right? And I'm like, I don't know that I'm responsible. This, this is my first day on the job. I don't know that I'm good enough. And they're like, you got to pull that thing. And they pulled us all the way up. And I really, I was like in my head, I'm like, I didn't really want to do it because it seemed scary. 
And I pulled that thing, and I'm telling you, like, it felt like you were just dropping to the ground for, like, half an hour. It was just, this is, we're going to die, I'm sure. Um, but I will tell you that it was a lot of fun, and it was an amazing experience, and it was scary at the same time. The reason why I tell you that is I, I hope that anything that I say today, I'm pushing y'all, and this is the direction of the church, I'm pushing y'all because I don't want you to be afraid of these things anymore. Sometimes when there's push, you're like, why does he keep saying these things? Because it's good for you. If I had just sat up there and then the guy had to let us down, we wouldn't have experienced an amazing time. Even in grace, y'all, I'm not going out and being all crazy. I'm actually a way better person than I ever was before. I was so judgy and mean and like I couldn't be with people that were Christian. That doesn't make any sense. That's weird. God doesn't want us to isolate. He wants us to experience. He wants us to be out there. He wants us to learn to not be afraid of things. That's why he told Peter, like, don't be afraid. Don't, I'm not worried about all that. I'm not worried about that. Go experience him. Go experience life with him. It's more attractive. The word graceful, this is the last thing I'm saying, gracefully means in a smooth, relaxed, attractive way. If you're wanting to attract people to know who God is, chill, relax, let God do something, and don't be afraid. That's ungraceful is when we're afraid. Right? Amen? All right, let me pray for you. Father, we thank you, God, for, man, just helping us with fear and helping us to not be afraid of things and not be afraid of people and not be afraid of people's opinions and not be afraid of all the things that have kept us for so long from experiences, those things, God. We trust you. We love you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.